Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection. I'm your host, Marisa Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, Neil Haley. Today's guest is Pam Parkman Thomure. She's the Executive Director of Empowering Women Out of Prison. Pam has over 25 years as a nonprofit leader with a history of creating excellence and profitability for a number of diverse organizations through strategic planning and program growth. Pam's life of service includes several years on the National Symphony Orchestra Board in New York City, representing orchestras across the nation while building relationships and increasing awareness for arts education. Pam is a passionate advocate for caregiver support and education for families with loved ones battling Alzheimer's and dementia. She's a member of One Voice Central Texas and recently was awarded the prestigious Governor's Criminal Justice Volunteer Service Program Award. Welcome to the show, Pam. Thank you, Marissa. I'm really excited about being here and having your audience listen to our conversation. This is so great. I would love to hear more about um, the work that you do at the Empowering Women Out of Prison. Yes, so Empowering Women Out of Prison is a nonprofit organization in partnership with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. We teach leadership and entrepreneurship to incarcerated women in the state of Texas. That's fantastic. Um, for for the, the program, uh, do you teach it to all the women in the prison or, or do they have to qualify? What are, what's kind of the criteria for doing that? Sure, there is a criteria. It's pretty uh, intense competition to get in. We usually have four to 500 applicants from across the state and different units that fill a hundred spots. And it's really about the desire to wanna change your life and to transform uh, what life looks for you on the outside when you're going to be released. And then to have that entrepreneurial spirit and and that desire to really network with other women and support other women. Are most of the women that go through the program, are they assumed to be released from their, from the prison or, um, or do they have like, what's, what does that look like? So they have to be within their five-year mark of their projected release date. So most of them are on a three to five-year uh, time frame about when they would get out. They're in our program for a year, and then we hope that they'll stay on for the second year and be servant leaders for the next class coming up and really mentor and coach and keep that culture alive. And then once they get finished with that, they can either stay with us until they leave prison or they can move on into different programs that might be available like culinary. If they've written a business plan for a food truck, we encourage them to go take those culinary classes and really learn more that can help them succeed. When when women, uh, you know, when a lot of times when I come across an entrepreneur, right, someone who wants to start their own business or they're leaders in an organization, um, they they usually have a lot of drive and motivation. And a lot of times they have this why, right, this purpose behind it that they're trying to, 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 to find, right, to serve others. Um, do you find that that is a component that may or may not be missing? Like, what's your take when it comes to women in prison? Where do they get that? Have they done the healing work or they have, have they done the work to get to that point where they can be inspired to, to start their own business or be a leader? 
I think that part of that, Marissa, really is about their desire to change. I don't know if the women who really apply for our class, the majority of them would be um, thinking they could ever really own their own business. I think they see the opportunity to change because we bring in a, a lot of executive leaders in that mentor and coach the ladies. And so there's that desire to, oh, I want to be around normal people. You know, when, when you feel like that you're being judged every day for the rest of your life for the worst decision you ever made, you really want that normalcy. And, and so you want to hear from people who are successful and, and learn from them. And so for us, we see women come in the door who basically come in with their heads down and maybe the desire is there, but they're still in prison and it's still a very protective barrier space. And, and they'll come in and they'll think that they have no value. They're so ashamed of what they've done. Um, many are uh, in there for reasons that, that you know, I, I look at them every day and I think that could be me, you know, that, that could be me in a, in a heartbeat. And so it's the girl next door, it's the it's the mom or the sister or the daughter. And when they leave our program, they're standing in front of a group of women and executive leaders, they're pitching their business plan. So they have to grow that desire and learn. And we teach them leadership. We talk about healing inside, talk a lot about head and heart and really owning your crime and, and not being ashamed and really going out and talking about your transformation. There's a lot of mental health issues that go on, as you can imagine, and there's no counseling in prison. And so we try to offer that component of uh, we do Brene Brown work, a lot of Brene Brown work, and, and we do um, different things called houses of healing and things that can help women to understand that we all have trauma in our life and we all have shortcomings. But if we can take that and learn from it and really strengthen ourselves and what we have to offer and then find our purpose and attach those two things together, they can really be successful. You know, I love I love what you talked about when it when it comes to the healing and the trauma, because, you know, and we can all be in that position. Right. And and I looked into when I started getting into mental health, I started looking at different programs and some some women I spoke to. They did work in prisons, you know, whether it's doing yoga or teaching uh, art class, art therapy or whether it's doing Enneagram work and um most of the people in prisons, they're there because they've committed a crime, but usually that comes out of, um, it comes from trauma. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've led a colorful life. I, you know, on the one hand, I had the successful IT career leading multi-million dollar projects and I do mental health. But on the other hand, I was a school bully. You know, I did a lot of legal things. I did a lot of drugs. I was arrested when my ex-husband, after we got divorced, we got into a big fight. He stormed my house. I was arrested, you know, and I had a good lawyer and money and I was able to get off, but I could have easily been sentenced to prison, you know, for, for that type of event. So it can happen to all of us, but it all stems from, and that was a big turning point for me because I knew it was my anger that got me there. And I knew I needed a lot of healing work. Um, Every time I tell a story, people get surprised. So if anyone heard that, uh, there's another one for you. Um, so, but it could be any one of us. And so I really like that you are offering them an opportunity uh, to change and change their circumstances and be able to move forward. I, I really see it as um, my calling in life because I too have a, have a, a checkered past. I've never been arrested, but 
um, certainly have been through trials in my life that most people wouldn't have never known. I, I think I saw on your website where, you know, um, looking for the potholes of those CEOs that are out there that that really were, were hiding some things. And I spent a lot of years hiding some things. You know, life at home was not good. It was it was pretty rough. And and um, there were some um, some domestic issues, some violence issues. And uh, my husband, ex-husband now was a um, uh, not only an alcoholic, but also took drugs. And, you know, it's just one of those things that we hide because we're supposed to be strong women. And especially if you're in that CEO role. And the reality is, is that there's so much healing and um, power and transparency when we can really get in front of other women and say, look, here's my story. Here's what I did. And I hope that you'll hear something that might help you, but we're really no different at the core. And that's what I see in all these women, whether, and I have murderers, I have people who went to a party um, during their time when they were in college and had a few too many drinks and drove home and killed someone, never had another incident in their life. But now they're spending years of their life in prison and so remorseful. There's all different types of crime. And as you said, I would think 90% of the women in our class every single year, it started with some sort of trauma in their life, some sort of family relationship or spouse relationship, boyfriend relationship, some sort of trauma happened to them. I really appreciate you you sharing your checkered past uh, <laughs> and talking about that. And that's the whole point of this podcast, right? Because no one really talks about it. There's so much shame behind it. Um, but you can, you know, we're just human and we're just trying to figure out how to get through this, this crazy chaotic world. Right. Um, yeah. so I, I do appreciate your honesty around that. Absolutely. So how did you get, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. How did you go from, so now you, you're on the, on the board for the National Symphony Orchestra in New York City. Um, and you also work with uh, those battling Alzheimer's and dementia. How does that align with your path on, on you know, in addition to the work you're doing in the prisons? Sure. I, I think that part of it was um, when I went to work for symphony orchestras, that was sort of a fluke. I started as an office manager and I moved my way up into the CEO position and then worked for several orchestras and, and actually loved it. I mean, I, I traveled around the country and was able to to be in that world, especially during the hard time at home. So it was a way to escape home and kind of live a life that that normally, you know, most people don't get to live going to different concert halls and places across the United States. But I would say that catapulted me into a time frame where when I went through my divorce, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I really wanted to find something that had more purpose to it. And so I was reading a Family Circle magazine at the time, old, old school here. I'm showing my age. <laughs> and there was a story in there about a lady in Atlanta who had helped her mom to downsize and relocate. And it took this lady who was a Fortune 500 CEO about four months to go through this process with her mom. And she said when she was doing that, all her mom's friends started coming out of the woodwork and saying, I need help too. So she started a company that won an award from an American Express Entrepreneurship Award. And I thought, maybe I want to do this. So I really decided to go into the field of helping senior citizens with downsizing. And as I did that, I was exposed more and more to people who had dementia and Alzheimer's. And, and 
it just grabbed my heart because it's such a strange, crazy disease and never the same with any two people. And um, it, it was my, uh, for eight years, I owned a company that, that helped people. And then I decided to go to work for a senior living community. And there, it was really my job to raise funds for programs for seniors. It's really ironic. Now, my mother, who is 87, lives at that senior living community where I raised the funds to get a program for memory care. So that's really how I how I went through that journey. And then how I am where I am today is, is how I got there is basically I was at home recuperating from a, a knee surgery. And I, again, just sort of thumbing through Indeed to see what was out there and saw this about empowering women out of prison. And I thought, you know, I grew up at a home for girls. My mom and dad um, were the directors, but I was with different girls my entire life that had hard past. And then just what I had been through. And I thought I would love to maybe be able to help some of these women to understand the value of your friendships with other women and the encouragement that you can get from one another just by sharing your story and coming alongside somebody when they're walking that path. When you've maybe learned a little bit and you have empathy for them, you can you can certainly help them to see that doesn't define who you are or what your life is going to look like for the rest of your life. And so I sort of took a chance through my name in the hat and earned the job very quickly. But then we were locked out due to COVID. So it's been kind of a wild ride, but it's a wonderful organization. And just every single day, Marissa, it's a, a blessing to be able to see women when the light bulb comes on and they're like, oh, I can do this and I do have value. I, I still have something to offer society that is, is, is a value and is worthy and I can do this. And I think when somebody says, I believe in you, whether it's in prison or out of prison, if you can just tell your friends and notice what they're going through and then just say, Hey, I believe in you and I'm here to help you. It really can change somebody's life. It's such an important step in in telling people. I, I, I say all the time, like, give compliments to people when you're thinking something like, you know, like, I like this person's smile or I like what they're saying. Like, just be honest, even if they're strangers, because it means so much to people um, to be able to tell them. But especially when you can when you can look at somebody and and believe in them without judgment, because, you know, that's hard enough. That's, you know, it's. Something like that is so valuable when you're not, when you don't have the past, you know, in, in, and, and being in prison, right? Um, you know, for me, I always thought I was going to have judgment passed on me because of my past and because of all of that. So I kept it a secret, right? And so now I can talk about it and people still don't, you know, people don't judge me for it. So to be able to provide that to someone else and, you know, a woman who's in prison, um, God, it's got to mean so much to them. And, and I, I just think it's fantastic what you're doing. Well, I wanted, thank to, add, you. I wanted to add. I wanted to also add about this. I mean, wow, it's just something that is so needed, and it's got to be such a challenge as well, Pam. Right? Would you agree of what you you have to entail to be able to help these women with a lot of people feel cannot be helped? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's you know a lot of people think that prisoners are always going to be what you see on on TV on on shows and and that they're really scary. And the truth of the matter is is that every single person um, 
has goodness inside of them. And so when we go in, you know, there are days, Neil, I won't kid you. There are days when I leave there and I just think, wow, I'm not sure I can do that again, but it's not because they're mean or they're awful. It's because they've lived through some of the worst conditions that anybody could ever live through, whether it's rape, it's murders that have happened around them as a child, whether it's, you know, a lot of drugs, a lot of drugs. Um, They've been sold in sex trafficking. I mean, it, it is horrendous what women go through. Um, and, and part of that is just basically where they grew up and what their family was doing at the time. And, and that's, that's unfortunate, but yes, some days are, some days are hard. Um, and we have a lot of help. I have a great board. I have great volunteers, you know, the, the system itself in the state of Texas, no matter what kind of uh, bad comments they get. They they really do want people to have rehabilitation and not just warehousing individuals because otherwise they're coming back. And for us, it's right. all about not coming back. That's so great. So so what do you do to make sure you maintain your balance and don't take all of that on for yourself? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, Marissa. I'll tell you, but yeah, I I have a very strong Christian faith, and and I think that that keeps me grounded uh, on a daily basis. And, you know, I have a wonderful husband that that helps me to to just really keep in mind that I, I can't save everyone. You know, I want to save everyone on the whole planet. <laughs> and he reminds right. me, you can't. And so you you take one step at a time and you help one life at a time and then just keep going from there. And and that really is it. And I think when you see someone come out of prison, we're there with a, a new set of clothes when they come out the door and they have a business plan in their hand that they could sell to any bank and any any company would say, that's really good. I mean, that's where we get joy in seeing them reunite with their family and their family says, wow, you did this? You know, they're so surprised because they've hurt their family. They're estranged from their family. And now we're seeing families reunified and these women come back into society and do really well and then come back inside and mentor people coming behind them. That, that's what keeps me going for sure. That's terrific. So what would you get, what advice would you give to someone who may be uh, in a leadership position who, who, who is, you know, battling some demons and afraid to reach out, um, you know, either for being exposed, feeling exposed or thinking they're going to lose it all. What advice would you give to, cause you were in that position, you know, you mentioned when you were in a domestic situation, what advice would you give to someone out there who might be listening uh, and, and, you know, afraid to speak out? I would say to find your core set of friends that you trust. I, I have a tribe of five and, and I think I'd be in the grave or in the, the psychiatric ward without those five people. But it's it's those people around you that you can trust that you go to and you say, I'm struggling. And, and I think transparency is the very best way to deal with it because for so many years, and I heard you just say this a few minutes ago, for so many years, I put on this facade about everything was okay. But what I find is that now when we're transparent with people, other people are struggling with the same thing you are. And I would just encourage the women out there and the men too, find a friend, really find someone that you can just say, hey, I need help. And I need to just share with you what's going on in my life. And I think you'll see that people will come alongside you and try to help you because deep down, people really are good at heart. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Pam. We are out of time. I loved having you on the show. Where can people find you? 
Absolutely. You can find me at ewoptx.org. And um, we'd love to hear from a lot of people about how they might get involved with us. We'd love to have people come inside and come in prison with us. We'll give you a get into jail free card for sure. <laughs> love that. All right. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate having thank you. Thank you, Marissa and Neil. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you.